Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It is good to be with you on the Holy Man podcast, another day on the journey of trying to become holy men. And during this season that we're in, we're talking about our communication. And uh, I just was sitting with uh, one of our life groups here recently. And uh, man, it's just great hearing the conversations of how all of us, we find those areas of struggle in our lives and our communication. And we're all looking, how can we get better? Because we know when we are better, life is better. Our relationships are better. You know, I recently had a, one of the men here in the church, one of the guys in a, one of our life groups, he, he was upset with me because he had just finished listening to one of the podcasts. And he said to me, why does it seem like every time I listen to one of these podcasts, it's dealing with something that I am dealing with that week? And my response, welcome to my world. That happens to me regularly. You know, when I'm preparing for one of these or recording one of them or when I'm preaching a sermon or writing a sermon, the Holy Spirit just seems to open my eyes and says, look at your own life, dude. God just does that. And, and I know it can be frustrating, but it also can be amazing. I mean, we have a God who knows us, knows us well, and he longs for us to have a better life. And he's willing to walk with us in making that happen. And it can be a little painful sometimes as the Holy Spirit convicts us and points out to us to help us to see those areas of life where maybe we're just not as right as we could be, or maybe sometimes we're just downright wrong. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then longing, the Holy Spirit helps us to long for the better and helps us to point out those areas where we can get better. And so he uses, whether it's, podcasts, whether it's sermons, whether it's just our studying in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit loves those moments because that's when the Holy Spirit can do its best work. When we're focused on the things of God, the Holy Spirit can point out, hey, here's an area where we can do better. And God just longs for us to have that better life, the holy life, guys, that, that are just better for us. So, okay, well, as we get started for today's talk, I want to peek at a couple verses out of the Psalms. And it's kind of troubling as we read this, this Psalm that I'm digging into. It's Psalm 53. And we're going to be wondering as I read this, is there any hope for us? As I read this, keep the specific area of life that we're discussing during this season, this idea of communication, this area where, where how we talk with others, how we listen and keep that in mind as I'm reading these verses. Let that be our focus. It talks about all of life, but let that be our focus as I read this. So here's the words. Psalm 53, starting in verse 1, it says this. Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God, and they are corrupt, and their actions are evil. 
not one of them does good. Okay, for many of us, okay, we're talking about our communication. Makes sense, doesn't it? God looks down from heaven. Continue in verse 2. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. Okay, that encompasses all of us. We continue. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. Verse 3, but no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Now, this should make sense to us because of what Paul says in Romans. We are all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This should be make perfect sense to us. We're all corrupt. We are all have walked away from God at different times in our lives. Now, I get it. We're all Christians. And yes, we are. Well, most of you who are listening to this, if there's anybody out there that's not, come talk to me. I'd love to have that conversation. So, but in Christ, we are new. We're a new creation, and I get that. We are eternal. But are there areas of our lives, even if we're a Christian and we're made new in Christ, are there still areas of our lives, like certain areas of our communication, where we still do things our way? We have not yet sought God and how to better live a blessed life in that area. Oh, we might have heard a lesson on it or read a scripture passage that tells us how to live, but we have put blinders on. And therefore, as Psalm 53 tells us, that part of our lives or our communication, it's corrupt. It's not being blessed by God because we aren't letting God lead us in that area of life. Does that make sense, guys? Again, we're new in Christ. We are eternal if we have given our lives to Christ, but the Holy Spirit's not done with us yet. He's still sanctifying us and making us holy as we continue seeking God. So the question is, for those areas of our lives, is there any hope for us based on what this says? And the answer is yes, absolutely. And the cool thing is the psalmist who writes Psalm 53, he's not done. He continues on. And as we jump down a little bit, in the last verse, it points to Christ and the hope found in him and the gift of the Holy Spirit that that Jesus sends. And it goes like this, verse 6. Who will come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel? That's the image of God coming to us through Christ. So when, and then it continues, it says, when God restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy and Israel will rejoice. Do you you get it, guys? We're talking about Jesus and the gift of God to the people of God of Jesus coming, being the salvation, sharing the Holy Spirit, it's going to help us to rejoice in that gift. For this moment, in those three verses, the first three verses we looked at, wow, we think, is there any hope for us? And that we're sinners. There is no hope in sinners. But there is hope in Christ. For those who do seek Jesus, who receive Jesus, man, there is hope. So for those who seek God, there is hope of good things coming. So for those of you listening to this podcast, hopefully that is part of your life. You seeking God, longing for the Holy Spirit to be guiding you into a better life, and yes, a more holy life. For that is the better life, and especially in our communication with others. Got it? We need to seek God. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to change us and move us. 
And in the area that we're going to be looking at today, the focus of communication we're going to be looking at today, man, is this so important because of how negative these two areas that we're going to talk about today are in our communication. What are those two areas? We're going to be talking about people who are belittling to others and those who are cynical in their communication. And with those two words, we're talking negativity, negativity, negativity. Both of these are either emanate from a negative worldview or from a desire to infuse others with negativity to hopefully make myself look more positive. Belittling and cynicism. If you ever been, if you are one of these individuals that struggle with these, and I, I think we all do a little bit, but for there's some people out there, man, it's just a natural part. Of it. If you're one of those who struggle with this, pay attention. Let's see what God has to share with us. But if you are a person who's not overly cynical or you don't belittle others, let's listen a little bit to see how God spells into this and what he has for us of how we can maybe help others to a better place or how do we deal with someone who's overly cynical or belittles others. So first, belittling. The definition of belittling someone who belittles someone else, it's someone who makes someone or something seem unimportant. They make it look less. So it's a put down. It's a negative put down, making someone feel or seem less than what they are. So much negativity in that, just the putting down of someone else. And then cynical is believing that people are motivated by self-interest or people are dist- or somebody that is distrust- distrustful of human sincerity or integrity. It's a negative view of others and certain parts of the world. Now, how does this show up? Well, it shows up with pessimism, sarcasm. Guys, how many of us out there are sarcastic, negative in how we say things? Or just simply negativity in general? So who struggles with with this out there? Is your hand up? Are you someone who's regularly knocking someone else down to make yourself look a little bit better? Or are you someone who is cynical by nature, just having a negative out worldview on life or of other people, and you are regularly pessimistic or sarcastic in in this. These two struggles in our communication can be so easy to fall into. I mean, it's a fallen world. There are lots of problems in this world, and it can be quite easy to find negativity in life, and it can be easy to spew negativity on others for so many different reasons. Like belittling. You know, story of mine. Okay, I'm going to Share a story of mine, guys. Uh, it's not one I, I look back on and just say, wow, good job, Paul. You know, I remember back, I was in junior high, a time when, <laughs> think about junior high, guys. We're all trying to build up our own self-esteem in any way that we could. And for me, I specifically can remember one moment in that time or one period of life when I was using the belittling tactic in tearing down another guy in my class. His name was David. And it was gym class where, we, where I was doing this. We were, doing, we were going through a journey through a wrestling program. So we were, our, the, the, our gym teacher was a wrestling coach as well. So he was help, helping all the guys to go through a wrestling. I don't know what the girls were doing during this time period. They were in another part of the gym doing something else. But the guys were all doing wrestling. So we practiced wrestling for several weeks. And David's wrestling techniques they just weren't the best. I mean, he was super strong. He was tough as nails. But 
technically speaking, I was better than him. And I remember intentionally making belittling statements about him to the other guys. And yes, we laughed about him. We laughed. My, my comments were, were comical and we laughed. Now he seemed like he didn't care because wrestling, it just wasn't important to him. But let's be honest, guys, I'm sure it didn't, he didn't like being talked down to or belittled. None of us do. Nobody likes being knocked down by others. Negative comments are no fun for anyone. But I kept doing it for those couple of weeks while we practiced the fine art of wrestling because I wanted, it was an area that, at least compared to David, I was better. And so I just wanted to boast in myself, lift up my own self-esteem. And so I was knocking him down to do that. The reason I remember this so well is because of what happened at the end. At the end of those couple of weeks of us practicing, we then had a little wrestling tournament. And at one point, I had to face David in that tournament. And I laughed. I belittled him some more as I laughed about having to face him. I was like, this is going to be easy, man. Guys, watch this. I'm going to go for the fastest pin, I was saying. And I'm sure you can, you can imagine where I'm going with this, guys. He whooped up on me. <laughs> he was so much stronger than I was. I mean, we were close to the same weight, but he was so much stronger than I was. And although he didn't know any great technique, he manhandled me. And before he, before he eventually pinned me, he tortured me. I mean, he played with me. He just held me in one position. I remember, he, I don't remember, some kind of cradle. It wasn't necessarily a good wrestling position, but he had a hold of me and he clamped onto me and I could not move, couldn't budge. He tortured me until eventually he pinned me. And after his hand was raised, he didn't cheer. He didn't belittle me. He didn't point at me or taunt me or anything. He simply gave me a smile and he walked off the mat. Guys, he was so much of a better man than I was in that moment. And I don't know, I, I didn't know him well. I don't know if he had a faith that caused him to act that way. I didn't know if he just had great self-esteem from a family. I didn't know him well much at all. I just know that in those moments, I could knock him down to make myself look better until afterwards. Man, he just whooped me. Belittling, belittling others is just not good, guys. And, you know, I'd love to say that I learned my lesson and never did it again. But no, I know I did. I'm thankful that God has changed me over time and helped me to become wise in this. And I'm cert I certainly don't do it as much as I might have back then. You know, we belittle others for so many reasons. You know, whether it's because of their clothes, how people talk, their athletic ability, weight, their the height, you know, the kind of car they drive, what job they have, what they eat, you name it, we can find just about any reason for those who are struggling for their self-esteem or their pride or whatever it is, we can find almost any reason to belittling others. And again, belittling is negative talk towards someone else or something else to make them seem less so to make ourselves look more positive in the eyes of others. Belittling certainly is bad on the person receiving the belittling comment, but it's also bad on the person sharing the comment whether we believe it or not, it hurts those relationships. It potentially hurts the relationship of those around us, 
those watching it happen. I mean, you think about it. If they're watching me belittling David, well, there might be someone else saying, well, I'm not going to hang out with Paul. Next thing you know, he might be belittling me. And so it might push those relationships away too. You know, why hang out with a person who belittles others because they, they could turn their attention to me in the near future? Belittling is not of God. Knocking people who God created, who God loves down for any reason, it's not of God. It's sin. And then there's cynicism, being cynical, having a negative worldview or a negative vision of the world or certain parts of the world and allowing my communication to flow out of it. It's just negative. You know, I remember back uh, a couple churches ago, uh, I had a person in the church. uh, She was on staff for a while who was regularly just pessimistic about just about everything in the life of the church. She was just negative about our church. The church wasn't exactly the way she wanted it. And so she was regularly just negative about things, and especially our lead pastor. You know, even if I tried to share something positive, she would find a way to turn it around and to be negative about it. I don't know why she stayed on staff for the time period she did, or even at the church, because she just, she was negative. But truthfully, I don't think any church would perfectly fit her little box of what church should look like. I'm not 100% sure of where it came from. I she shared a little bit of how her family was a little legalistic, and it could be that her family was very legalistic in church life, and so she could have heard it from her own family over and over again talking negatively about church, and so she could have gotten cynical about church life. Who knows? There could have been a lot of reasons of why she was cynical. I didn't ever find out, but she translated her worldview of life onto the church. Possibly, it also came from her upbringing where church had to fit into a certain box in her own church, her family's life. I don't know. But her negativity, it was amazing how contagious it was. She would regularly get others in, involved on the negative talk about our church. And it just was not healthy for our church life. Because we, we had a half-decent church. It was a good church. We had a lot of good things happening. But boy, her negativity, her pessimism, her sarcastic comments, it would just spread to others. You know, you think about it. We can be cynical about almost anything. Church, politics, the weather. You know, how oftentimes we hear here in Gillette during the winter times, will winter ever end? We can be cynical about our jobs or the people who's in leadership of our jobs, life circumstances, health insurance, the list goes on and on. You know, hey, everybody, I'm a, as a sports fan, I'm a Pirates fan, a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. I could be, and, and I have had times in my life during those years of being a Pirates fan where I was, yeah, a little cynical. Are they ever going to do anything good? Are they ever going to have a winning season? But I've learned to have a different attitude about it. And I look for any positive I can find for the Pirates. And I have a good buddy who's, we're Pirates fans and we're always looking for the rookies. And is there anything hopeful coming up with the Pirates? Now, because of my outlook on life, I have gotten much better at this, at not being as cynical, I try to look for positive in things. For instance, the Steelers are having a rough year, guys. We're only a couple games into the season, but I have a feeling it's going to be a bad year. And so instead of just being negative about it, I'm looking, we're going to have a great draft pick this year. And I have to look at the positive, right? If we stay negative in our outlook, it can 
easily cause pain to us and to others as we look at the negative aspect of the world instead of looking at the positive. You know, one story in Scripture where we find someone who is both cynical and who belittles others, we find it in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Where it's a story of David and Goliath, and many of us know at least a little bit about that story, but I'm going to look at a, a side part of that story. Because David was the youngest child in Jesse's family, and his brothers were already on the front battle lines uh, with Saul. And so they were there, and they were on the battle lines. They were facing the Philistines, and that's when Goliath kept coming out. Well, Jesse sent David to his brother to take his brothers to bring some supplies to them and just check up what's going on. So David, it says in verse 20, so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So it was an exciting time period. It was just excitement going on. Verse 21, soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood face facing each other and the army against army. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, the champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks, and David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. So I think we can all see this playing out. And David's now checking this out. Goliath is taunting God and the Israelite army. So verse 26, it says, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending this defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So what's going to happen? You know, David's brothers, again, they're the older brothers. They're standing nearby. How are they going to respond to their brother going off to the other soldiers about this Goliath? It says, verse 28, but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. Why? Why do you think, guys? I mean, again, let's think of this culture. In the culture back when David was being raised, he was the youngest. He's the runt. Because the oldest sons were the ones that had all the authority. They were the ones that had the blessings. They were the one that would get the biggest inheritance. It was always best to be the oldest, and the youngest was the runt. David was the shepherd. He wasn't the soldier. And more than likely, David heard a lot of negativity out of his brothers, a lot. He was always being looked down on because he was the runt. He was the youngest. And so think back to an earlier story, guys, because when Samuel came to Jesse looking for the next king of Israel, as God directed, Eliab, the oldest, came out first. Samuel said, "Uh uh-uh, he's not the one. I'm sure that was just so hard for Eliab to hear. Well, then it wasn't just him. It was the other older brothers as well. All of them were told, nope, you're not the one. Who's the one? It's David. David was the one that was going to be the king. So you can just imagine those older brothers who were regularly looking down negatively on David. They were like, what in the world is going on? This makes no sense. And so I'm sure they were struggling with David even more than what they did before as being the youngest. So what does Eliab say? Again, he heard David talking to the men, and he was angry. And so he says, what are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. You hear it? 
both the belittling comments and the cynicism just spewing out the negativity towards this, his younger brother, because of his pride being affected because of David being the one that was raised up to be the next king. How does David respond? What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. David was in a culture where he was belittled regularly, and I'm sure it hurt. Poor David. He was belittled. He was questioned negatively. He was questioned as to his purpose. It was assumed that he was out of line with what he was doing. You know, you think about this. Eliab and the other brothers, they had a chance. They could have been serving in the future king's court. But isn't it amazing that if you look at the rest of the story of David, you never hear any of his brothers brought to light? They had the chance of being in the king's court, of being one of the mighty warriors of David, but you never find it. He, David is in a position to elevate, elevate his family to good standing. His brothers could have been important positions, but we don't see that, none of them. Their cynicism and their belittling ways with their little brother hurt them in the long run. It broke this relationship down, and they missed out on a great opportunity. You know, we see this, guys. All through Scripture, we see so much Scripture that tells us about being negative of others, about being cynical and about belittling others, about it not being good. For instance, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Cynics... Look high and low for wisdom, but they never find it. But the open-minded find it right on their doorsteps. You get it? It depends on your outlook or your expectations of others. You know, you're going to find what you find based on what you expect to find. If you are negative in your outlook on life, if you are cynical at life, you're never going to be looking. You're always going to be thinking that the world is negative out there, that people are negative, and you're not going to be looking for the good God honoring wisdom that's available. But those who are open-minded and positive and willing to look, they find good things, it says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. It's primarily shared with people who are Christians. And as Christians, we're supposed to care for others. It says this. It says, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you have been doing. It says, be positive to others. Don't knock them down. Don't belittle them. Lift them up. Encourage them. In another place, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29, Paul says it this way, and this is talking just generally and how we can walk away from cynicism and belittling. Paul says this. He says, don't let any, you get it? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all, these are extreme words, all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it, guys. That's what he says. Get rid of anything that's going to knock others down, that's going to hurt others, that's going to be negative to anybody else. It's not healthy. It's not good. Instead, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. It's all about lifting others up 
instead of knocking others down. It's all about being positive in this world, not negative. So, as you hear those scriptures, as you think of those moments in your life where maybe you have knocked others down or where you have been negative about things, what are some things we can do? I have a couple ideas for you. First, I want you to focus on God's goodness, on positive things. Dig into those Psalms that just helps us to see the goodness of God in our lives. God is faithful. He is always the same yesterday, today, forever. God is good. He loves us unconditionally. You know, when my kids get a little negative about something or someone, when we, or when we get a little cynical in our family, I invite us to pause and to spend a few moments to, and focus on anything that's positive, something that's good in our day, something that God has shared good with us. We might fight it. We might not like this. We might want to be negative instead. But if we focus on the good things that God shares with us, we can hopefully look at the situation from a different perspective, a different worldview, and find the positive. Positive is always better because it's focused on the goodness of God. And there's always something good that we can focus upon. Here's another thing, guys. When you're looking at the negative aspect of other people, Repeat after me, God loves them, so I will love them. Because it's truth. Every single person that's in front of you, whether it's somebody that you would love to knock down to make yourself look better, or whether it's just looking at someone from a negative perspective, if you look at that person and realize God loves them, and then out of that love that you know God has for them, if you're willing to love them, that's going to change that dynamic. Every person. So again, as you look at someone, Say these words, God loves them, so I will love them. How about this? You hear, you know what fasting is. Fasting is when we don't eat something or don't do something. We take a fast for something. We don't do it for a while. What if you take a fast from negative comments? What if you just stop it? No more pessimism, no more sarcasm, guys. No more put downs. What if we simply say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fast from negative comments of any kind for a day. This is just start, maybe you need to start for an hour if you're a naturally pessimistic, sarcastic person or a belittling person. Just try an hour, then try a day. If you want to get crazy, try a week. Intentionally go out of your way to just stop it. And instead, in moments when you would naturally be pessimistic or sarcastic or belittling in nature, intentionally, as you stop doing that, you got to fill it up with something else. Find ways to encourage others. Go out of your way to encourage someone. Look for the positive in them and lift them up. And the cool thing is, notice how it doesn't make just them feel better. I mean, it's going to. If you are encouraging to someone else, if you are positive to someone else, it's going to make them feel better. But I want you to notice that it's also going to make those around you, and yes, even yourself, feel better. It makes life better, guys. I know this because I've tried it. I've done it. I'm not perfect at this. Trust me as my family. But when, in those moments when I get this right, man, it makes life better. Doing things God's way, being positive, looking for the good, encouraging others, it makes other people's lives better and it makes our life better. So 
in any area of life where you see negatives, when you are spewing negativity, intentionally look for the positives and share positives. Share encouraging words to lift people up, not tear them down. How do we do this, guys? How do we even have a chance of making this possible? Well, I invite you to pray with me right now. And if you're starting to learn these words, because we've said them over and over again, say them with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Guys, be positive. Look for the positive. Look for the good and share good. And in doing so, we will become holier. Amen. Thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit of God, that will give us a chance of making this happen. Hey, guys, have a great week. Have some great discussions out there in your life groups. And be blessed. Be blessed.